Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. I'm Al Warren. Mr. Dave Martino is back. I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. It's, been, it's back. been a while. It's I'm been back. a couple of week holiday. You've been off yeah. for a month. A month. Yeah. yeah. Lounging. It's crazy. Lounging, Lounging around, yeah. yeah. Getting some sun. Eating. Eating. Even, even on this, did, were you on a diet the whole time? Um, no. You lost like 30 pounds? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Maybe a couple. Salads, veggies. I did a lot of salads. I did. Yeah, but you can't have a whole container of dressing on your salad. No, no. You can have donuts on the side. No donuts. No. You got to have no dessert. Nobody uh, told me about this. Well, yeah. You know. <laughs> when I was thinking you were off, you know, I was thinking you probably did. You you should have you should have went for that job for that uh, you know Pat Sajax leaving. Yeah. That show, fifteen million a year. Get on it. How come you didn't? Yeah, that would have been great. Well, what what's going on? You would have been great. All you have to do is say no. We don't have no art, no art in that. Nobody called me. Well, you're supposed to call them. (laughs) I mean, that Ryan Seacrest is going to take it. Yeah, I know. He's only got eighteen jobs. Yeah, I know. He always looks very tired. Well, no wonder. Yeah, I think he works more than I do. He's just crazy. <laughs> He's 24-7, this guy. Yeah, he has been since, like, American Idol. Do you ever think about that? $15 million a year for that show? Yeah. 
Wow. There's people with tons of responsibility that have really tough jobs that don't make that kind of money. I know. (laughs) People that save lives. (laughs) Yet you can play the hangman game on TV and make $15 a year. It's a good job if you can get it. Yeah, that's just totally, (laughs) totally insane. Totally insane. So any concerts when we were off? Did you go to any concerts? No, no. I I missed the Winger concert. Concert. Winger. (laughs) Winger. I get a new album out. <laughs> I, bet you, I bet you people were lined up for that one. I think it was sold out. It was in Providence. Winger. Yeah. They, most people don't know who they are. <laughs> That's all old people that go into that. All old people like me. Yeah, I guess so. Winger. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like something you'd order at a restaurant. I know. I'll have the winger, please, with potato salad. <laughs> yeah. And a side of fries. So yeah, because I what do you, do you throw things at people on stage now? That seems to be really trendy. Hey, see all that? Isn't that what they used to do? Well, no, but they used to throw bras and panties, but now they're throwing <laughs> like phones and like pink. Someone threw their mother's dead their dead mother's ashes. Oh, I think I heard about that on stage. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's it's getting crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I guess she didn't have any underwear to throw. I don't know. Maybe it's a good thing I stayed home. Yeah. Yeah, because you only have two pairs of underwear. You can't lose Yeah, well, that's true, too. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, now, speaking of scary things, you you and two pairs of underwear. And uh, think now, so we're, we've got an author here, and uh, she's got a couple books out we're going to talk about, and I know one of them is called Heart of Skulls. And uh, so let's bring her in, Miss Ashley Early. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. You both have somehow made me really hungry, though, after that conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we've got to do something to stay on the air. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost like how, you know, you'll watch, like, the Food Network, and then you're, like, not hungry until you start watching people make food or talk about food. (laughs) That's how it is. Is that kind of your thought when you write a book that's scary or horrific? Is it so? You, you are you sort of hoping that uh, people feel like killing then when they read that? Like what? <laughs> what? What's what's behind writing this horror? You know, who hurt you? <laughs> who hurt me? Uh, I think the better question is who didn't hurt me. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Um, <laughs> Um, no, I'm definitely not looking for people to go out and commit murder, for sure. Well, that's good. <laughs> um, but I tend to watch a lot of true crime. And uh, the question of, like, how does a serial killer get away with murder while having, like, a normal life and a normal relationship kind of just kept popping in my head. So I ended up deciding to <laughs> write that idea and that theme out and see where it took me. You do, so when you do something like that, now the, this is a fictional book, but do you sort of get influenced by a certain case and sort of build it off of that case, like a murder case? Kind of. I would say that Ted Bundy uh, was a really big influence for that theme and kind of just following along like how he was able to have his long-term relationship with his girlfriend Liz for so long without her having any idea what he was doing on the side. <laughs> so, yeah, I would say the the amount of true crime that I watched, like Ted Bundy was probably the number one influence for this book. 
Yeah. Well, he, I I think I've heard of him. So so how do you decide to to like I'm just, I'm always fascinated when someone's kind of so you've got kind of an idea of what you want to do and kind of a you know a serial killer in a sense like Ted Bundy where you're kind of influenced let's say somehow you're you you sort of um, been aware of his crimes. So how do you build the story? How do you how do you put characters? Like where do the characters come from? Oh gosh. Um the characters kind of just came to me more so with like the main characters, Scott and Natalie. Scott is the killer and he is kind of built around Ted Bundy with like how charismatic he is, but how much he also just hates people and hates being around people in general. And the only person he's willing to tolerate is his girlfriend, Natalie. And she is the complete opposite of him in Oh, pretty much every way. With she's bubbly, she's ready to go and do things, be around people, and Scott is just kind of like along for the ride, but hating it at the same time. <laughs> well, so who do you identify with the best out of those two? Probably Natalie, because I don't. I definitely don't want to say Scott. I relate to Scott and how much he doesn't want to be out in public. But I'm not looking at people going, oh, my gosh, I wish I could kill you. That's definitely not my vibe. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I hate people, too, right? I mean, I'd much rather be with my dog. Well, do you have an internal monologue? Uh, can you hear your characters? Is, is that how you uh, create the dialogue for the characters, or is there some other way? I'm, I'm just trying to find out if you're hearing voices. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think every writer hears voices for sure, but I yes, I definitely heard Scott's voice while I was writing this book I'm like okay well this is how I think that he would think I have to I had to like put myself in his mindset so I had to like write for a little bit then take a break or if I creep myself out too much I would definitely have to walk away for a little while before coming back to write because uh, I was like this is a little this is a little much even for for me <laughs> Well, well who do you identify with better than and, and I mean this in a sense of um, not not so much personally, but when you're actually hearing their voice and you're writing out their words and their story and you're putting it together, let's um, just put it this way, who who is your favorite or which is the easier one for you to do? I think that the easier one for me to write is Scott, unfortunately, just because I had to immerse myself in him so much because it, this is something that I've, I've never written anything like this before. So I really had to put myself in the mindset of like, okay, how would a person like this think? What would they think about? How would they justify their actions? How would they continue to get away with something over and over again? And, you know, watching true crime was definitely a great research to build off of. I don't hear voices, but I definitely was able to get Scott's voice on the page without too much trouble like <laughs> yeah i just wonder how how does that affect you but does it stress you out to go to be in the mind of let's say a killer to be in because like you can say well you know i i relate to him in the sense of i don't necessarily like big crowds or a lot of people and and you relate to that but you're not sitting there going oh i want to kill you and all this stuff right and so so when you put yourself into that mindset and you're being that person like scott nelson for a while and you're thinking on those terms how, is that a hard thing process to go through or is it draining or is it real fun i i would say that it's more draining um 
just because I, it is such an, like, there are a lot of content warnings for this book. Um, <laughs> but I really went in and, like, tried to emulate a lot of things that I thought a killer would do. So it was draining to be in that mindset and to be like, okay, this is how he's going to kill this person and then this person. And that was a lot to put on the page and like think about because I have to envision it first, right? And then put that on the page and have it acted out the same way I'm envisioning it. So it's like do like really putting yourself in that moment of okay, I am that person and this is what I'm doing to a character. And <laughs> a lot of writers do love killing their darlings. <laughs> this one was a lot more different than what I've when I've killed other characters, usually it's like, oh, okay, like, I don't really, I'm not in it, I'm not thinking about it too much, they're dead. This one I had to, because it was so intentional, I had no choice but to face that I was killing off my characters. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a totally interesting process. Um, and so when you put together, how, how does, which came first, was it the story or was it the characters? The story. I actually had the end of this book written before I even started writing anything else. This this started as a flash fiction piece for a workshop when I was in college. So you kind of had the theme, the story, and then you went into the building the characters into it. Yeah, yeah. A lot of research, like into the killings and stuff like that? Uh, I'm definitely on some kind of watch list for the things that I've had to research and Google during, <laughs> during the drafting and editing of this book. Uh, <laughs> other than that, I don't think anyone is surprised that I've watched a lot of true crime. That's what I, I that's you know, my happy place is watching true crime, as weird as that sounds. Like, it's just, I watch it all the time, so nothing changed there. But with what I had to Google, <laughs> I de I'm definitely on a watch list. Were you able to keep your ending, your original ending, that was that flash fiction piece, or did it have to change as as you began to create this, this uh, longer and larger story? It changed a little bit, and it was just like removing a couple of lines, but the meat of the ending is still there. What brought you into this type of writing, do you think? That's that's an interesting one. So I've written fantasy forever up until this book, and it kind of just like took over. It was something, I had the ending, and I just started thinking about how I could make it into a larger piece, and then the themes just kind of came to me, and then the characters ended up being built around those themes, and it was just it just kept building in my mind, and I had no choice other than to just like literally sit down and write this and get the story out of my head because it's so different, and it just would not let me go. It was one of those stories that you just had to down on the page, so just entirely different from my normal <laughs> my normal writing. So when you're going through this process and hearing voices and stuff, do they let you drive, or do you still have a license? <laughs> well, just in case. No, I definitely i I had like I had the ideas, like the bullet point notes of okay, this should happen in this chapter and this, but my characters drove the car for how to get to point A to point B. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. Yeah, we're hearing voices. Yeah, that's just like, do not live with this woman. <laughs> <laughs> My my boyfriend is not like he's he's very supportive, <laughs> but every now and then he looks at me and 
he's like, you're definitely going to kill me one day, aren't you? And I'm like, I don't know. It depends on what you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any show us a sign of life here? He's probably somewhere in a basement. <laughs> well, we live in a basement, so that, <laughs> that is true. That's what there you are. See? So, so we knew this was happening. What do you hope people get out of a book like this? I think my biggest thing that I want people to get out of this is that everyone has their traumas. There's There are ways to get out of it. There are ways where you'll be stuck in it. And it's more of making decisions, <laughs> I would say. Just everyone has a trauma. Everyone has something that they've gone through. And this book really shows how those traumas can take you in a completely different direction. <laughs> oh, okay. So it, you actually have, there's some sort of a meaning behind the story. I would th I would say so, but I think that a lot of it depends on who's reading and what they're gonna get out of it. Because I, from my perspective, what my hope is is that readers will have an understanding of how traumas can affect one another and be a little bit more understanding of what people are going through. <laughs> well, that's you know it's important. I mean, people aren't always going to get what you're what you're trying to say, you know, but they can still enjoy the horror or the storyline and stuff like that. Where do you see yourself going now? Like, what, are you going to go back to fantasy or are you going to go into uh, more horror? Or what, what do you, what do you, did you really like doing this? I did, but I think right now I have another, fan, I have a fantasy story that's kind of doing the same thing that Heart of Skulls did. It's knocking at my creative door and telling me that it's time to write this fantasy story first, but I do have an idea for another horror novel, but it'll probably be, it's on the back burner for now. It'll probably be picked up after this. Where do you get your influences? Like, and it doesn't have to be other writers. Like, is there something that you draw from other than just watching the true crime? Is there other writers or is there something else? I, I didn't really have like any influences because I actually went into writing Heart of Skulls, never read any horror novels. I've read short stories I've read like part of novellas from like Stephen Graham Jones was a professor of mine and I've read a couple of his novellas and but other than that I've never really had any horror influences and so I just kind of went into this blind figuring out the genre the tropes and everything that goes into writing this type of book so I didn't really have a whole lot of influences outside of my own knowledge of like actual crimes and murders that have been committed. Well, at least that's what you tell us. <laughs> I promise I have no personal experience <laughs> in this department. Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. They always claim innocence, right? You know, that's how it is. What do you like about writing fans? Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. 
Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I love that I can make my own world that's just not reality. That's, it's an escape for me. That's actually the genre that I go to for reading. That's why I had no like previous horror novels that I've read under my belt. Like it's all been fantasy up until <laughs> recently. So it's just an escape for me to be able to create an entirely different place with entirely different cultures and religion and all this other stuff. And that's something that I really want to get back into just so I can have a little break from reality because Heart of Skulls is so, it's immersed in such a dark part of our reality that that's what, was part of it being so draining to to me to think about to write about and all of that it's just i need that i need that break from reality for a a minute (laughs) i was just wondering in the same vein uh who are your fantasy influences uh i love sarah j moss um and i i I just oh my gosh i can't even think of anyone else right now because that's just she sarah j moss and her series have helped me so there's so many different things in my life that that's my go-to her cassandra claire um jessica taylor she's an indie author who is also amazing those are usually those are my go-to's for fantasy so so what happens to your characters when you finish a book do they disappear or do they stay with you or well what's your process they stay with me for a little bit but they don't they end up fading away after a while like once i finish the book I'm usually, like, still in the mindset for maybe a few days or a week, depending, a few weeks, depending on the characters and how strongly they're, like, attached to me. But usually they just kind of, they fade to the, fade to the back, unless I'm, you know, writing a series or something like that. But 
standalones, it's easier to be like, okay, I've finished writing the story and these characters are, they've had their happy ending or they've had their terrible ending and I'm just going to tuck them away and, you know, come back to it when I'm ready to do the editing process. Sort of like boyfriends. <laughs> Put them in a corner. <laughs> oh, I'm terrible. Terrible. So, so what's next? Now, I, I, I've also noticed now you've also uh, put out this uh, show, Don't Tell Guidebook for Writers and stuff. So what is it that you were doing with that? What is it that you hope um, people get out of that book? So I, my guidebooks for writers, I wrote both of those because I, I'm also a professional editor. And one of my biggest goals is to help other writers with their writing and their editing and getting to the publishing process. So with the show, don't tell guidebook, it's helping them understand that technique. And while it can be something that's said and overused a lot, it's still something that's very important to the craft and knowing how to use it in every way that it can be used is important. And then I have a, a writer's guide to launching a book, which is like the step-by-step process of how, you can create your author platform since none of us can get away from social media like <laughs> ever. And that's pretty much the only way you can promote yourself as an author, whether you're traditionally published, self-published or whatever. I mean, you that's the number one way to get yourself seen, your book seen and read. So it's kind of helping writers get to that point and understand that each way that they can promote themselves and their book and spread the word with their book launch. I go on TikTok and dance. <laughs> TikTok is where it's at right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go TikTok. TikTok, I've, I've got, um, see, people really, I've only been on a couple of months, and I I think I've got about 20,000 followers now. Yeah, it's, it's wild over there. <laughs> well, I don't understand it, because I'm certainly not worth following. <laughs> you're not, a, you're not posting just... TikToks of you dancing with your book in your hand? <laughs> No, actually, I do very little about. In fact, it, you know, when you if I look at my TikTok, I, I do almost no book posts of my books, um, the show, and then I do a lot of silly posts. Oh, well, silly posts will get you there. Yeah, those really because it's really boomed, and a lot of people like them, and they want to comment, and so it causes interaction and stuff. I guess that's kind of the whole key to it, you know. Now, editing. Um, how how do we know a good editor? Like, that's a really tough thing, because I've been uh, working with editors for years, and some for publishers, and some, you know, just on the side and stuff like that. And it seems like they all have their own way, and they all look for certain things. How do I know I'm getting a good editor? So that's an interesting one, because uh, there's been a lot of controversy on TikTok, actually, oh. <laughs> recently <laughs> with editors and what's you know who is a reputable editor versus someone that's just saying that they're an editor right so with that you're looking for credentials you're looking to make sure that their website makes sense and there's no errors would be preferable but if i mean we're all human <laughs> we're gonna have at least one on there getting a sample edit is always important to make sure that they align with your creative voice and your story just to kind of make sure that you you're working as a team that's kind of what you're looking for with an editor is to make sure that you're working with somebody and they're not just taking your story and doing what they want with it right so the biggest thing is finding someone that's going to work with you that's going to have credentials they're going to provide a sample edit they're not going to just 
you want to make sure that that sample edit and the final edit also match because I've seen recently I've seen sample edits look really good and then the final edits that they get back for their whole book after signing a contract uh, does not look the same at all. <laughs> Having a contract is also important um, just to make sure that you're protected, your work is protected, and then you're holding that editor accountable. I mean, you, you want to be careful, but at the same time, it's just, I think, because as a writer, you have a lot to do. And then now you have to make sure it's edited properly and then format it. And then your marketing on top of that, it's becoming a lot, a lot more involved than just writing a story. Yeah. I mean, to be able to compete with, you know, traditional publishing houses, that's kind of the process that everyone has fallen into these days, which is, I mean, it's definitely interesting uh, to watch people take their own, their, take their book and take it to a creative level that, you know, to have a professional product, a professionally edited book, promotion, all of this stuff, and kind of compete with the big guys out there is pretty intense. What do you, what do you think the biggest mistake a writer does um, when it comes to their writing? And, and as an editor, what is the biggest thing you come across or the most common thing? I, I think I would say that it is mess, messing up show don't tell because so much goes into that technique that it's easy to kind of overlook it so when you're you know implementing that technique you're not just saying okay he was angry you kind of have to show that in some kind of action so uh him clenching his hands or grinding his teeth or having lockjaw or something like that is going to show that he's angry but there are also instances where telling is necessary. So if you have a line that says something along the lines of the guards cast her wary glances as she walked by them, something like that, that's it's kind of telling because you're including the emotion that another character is giving off. So I would say that that's probably the biggest thing that I'm working on with with writers, and that's why I have the guidebook out that I do, just because... It is such an important technique that a lot of writers overlook. There's so many things. Do, do you do a lot of editing for writers then uh, as well? Yes, I do. I, uh, I'm i the founder of Early Editing LLC, and I do, most of, I do all of the developmental editing for my company. And I have two other editors on my team who handle the proofreading and line editing side of things. So do you think people are becoming better writers, or, or do you think that there, it's, it's not as good a writing uh, crowd out there as there was, let's say, 10, 20 years ago? Oh, that's a good question. Because I, 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 I think it depends, because it, it depends on how dedicated someone is to their book. The more passion I see from my writers, the more work they put into their story. Um, and it's just, I, I, you can see a huge difference sometimes. Like I just worked with somebody who rewrote their whole first chapter and asked me to take another look at it. And I've seen three different drafts of their first chapter. And this latest version is the strongest one out of all of them. And I think that having the advice and having an editorial letter helped them so much with figuring out, okay, this is where a story should start, and this is how it should start. This is the information that I should reveal. And I think it's about dedication and how much time and energy you're willing to put into it because, I mean, like you said, we have so much that we have to do now with not just writing the book, but we have to 
edit the book, then we have to give the book to a professional editor. We have to promote it. We have to, you know, do all this stuff that takes more time than it than to write the book now. Yeah, yeah. It's it's only the start now. Writing the story. Um, so what happens to you when when you get a, a manuscript or story from someone and it's really awful? Um, what what do you do? And I mean that not necessarily. Let's say they're they're you know, the language or the correction and stuff, spell checking and all that and proofreading and stuff. Let's say they're fairly decent at putting it down, but you just don't like the story. How how do you handle editing something like that? I'm pretty selective now, but when I was a baby book editor, <laughs> I was uh-huh. pretty willing to take anything to help out somebody, and I still, I still am. I can't really – I struggle to turn away a bad manuscript or something that I'm not passionate about. Uh, for example, I am not a sci-fi girly at all. <laughs> so when I get a sci-fi book or elements of science fiction, I'm just kind of like, okay, I'm not really into this. But it's not really focused on reading and enjoying the story. I'm trying to help them with characterization, setting, structure, uh, following all of the story beats and making sure that they know how everything is supposed to flow. So I'm not really reading the story for enjoyment things that normal readers would be focused on with being like oh my gosh I love the character and all of this stuff I can enjoy the character for sure um but I'm still gonna have things to pick apart (laughs) yeah of course of course it's what you do And, and so fiction and nonfiction, when you, when, do you, do you also edit nonfiction as well? It's, it's kind of a different animal when you're doing a nonfiction, like a true crime book would oh, say, right? Yeah, for sure. I, I don't have much confidence in doing nonfiction, so I usually refer them to somebody else that I know, just because I don't think I could have the patience to sit there and do all of the citations that are necessary for nonfiction, so, my realm exclusively stays in fiction. <laughs> yeah, well, certainly, certainly. Well, and I guess the advantage, too, of fiction is you always can select the ending. You know, you can make sure people get justice. Like, you know, in a sense, things can turn out, let's say, good or, you know, as good as could be expected. As whereas in a nonfiction, you can't really choose that. It happens how it happens, you know. Yeah, that's that's very true. Like, for for example... A, a romance book is not considered a romance book unless the two characters have a happy ending. Otherwise, it's a completely different genre, and it depends on that genre depends on the ending and what happens in the story, kind of, but mostly the ending. Yeah, it's crazy. There's so many uh, genres now. I, I, it's, it's hard to keep track of it. You know, like it's even because in, in, in my day, fantasy was sci-fi. It was all the same. You know what I mean? And there's so many yeah. d- different divisions and offshoots of it. Sometimes people are talking, and I don't know. I, I it, Sometimes it's confusing for us old people. Oh, no, I'm still <laughs> confused. I'm, I have to research the subgenres usually while I'm going just because there are so many. I mean, like you said, urban fantasy and all this other stuff, like it's, it's a lot to take in. <laughs> so I can't say yes to like historical fiction or science fiction, because I don't know how that genre works or all the subgenres for those. So it's just, it's, it's wild. It's hard to keep up with. Yeah, it is. It's confusing. So so what are we, we going to get next from Ashley? What, what's going to happen 
after you kind of get these books promoted and done. Do you, do you carry? Do you do more than one project at a time? Uh, no, I wish I had the time. <laughs> oh. I my writing career kind of was put on the back burner with starting my editing company because I've started my editing company right out of college because uh, I graduated during the pandemic. <laughs> And getting hired for a job wasn't really an option at the time. So I ended up starting my own business, and that's been my focus up until getting this book out. And even now, like, writing Heart of Skulls happened in college. That was two years ago now and two or three years ago when I finished writing it. So I finally had the chance to sit down and edit the book, get it to an edit a professional editor, and just keep going. But I do want to dedicate more time to to writing, and I want to find a balance between work and being creative. And it's something that creative mindset is something that I've miss, been missing from my life for a while. So it's a goal that I'm dedicated to with working on my up heart of skulls. I have this new passion to sit down and write and focus on that side of things more now. I imagine you, you can't really edit your own work, can you? I mean, you could technically, but it's too close to you, isn't it? Yeah. So I I did end up, because I had that book tucked away for so long, I was able to develop mental edit my book myself and treat it like a client because it had been two years since I looked at it last. So I treated it like I would any other client and then, hired an editor for the formatting, line edits, and proofreading, because there's no way I'm going to be able to catch all of that myself because of how close I am to the story now that I've looked at it two or three times. Well, that's, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. Uh, social media, so where do people find you? So anyone can find me uh, as at Ashley underscore early on anything, TikTok, Instagram, all of it. My last name is spelled a little weird, though, so it's E-A-R-L-E-Y. <laughs> Ashley Early. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly how we were joking before. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. Now, what we'll do is we'll put all that up on the website, uh, along with your books as well, so people can find you and, uh, you know, wish you plenty of luck on, on this career you've taken, and, you know, you'll be a... Uh, you know, doing well, hopefully, in the future. So I hope so. Thank you so much for having me on today. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's always good to talk to writers. And, and so the Heart of Skulls is your horror book that's that, that we're talking about, and the other one is Show, Don't Tell, Guidebook for Writers. So, Ashley Early, thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ashley. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.